0: Well, this morning I am super excited. My favorite speaker in the whole world is coming today. She's pretty awesome. She is my wife. She is the mother of my children. And she is a depressed Vikings fan. Give it up for my wife, Amber Liz. Oh, he thinks he's so funny and he's not. So, you know, when you're a Vikings fan, you just get used to it, right? So, here we go. I am not wearing a Vikings jersey today, so y'all know what that means. Anyways, I am so excited that I get to share with you guys this morning, and I really feel like the Lord has placed something on my heart to share, and so uh, get ready. You know, that's really all I'm going to say. But how many of you um, have walked into a church, maybe you walked in this morning, and you have felt like you had to hide it, some junk. You felt like you had to fake it. You felt like you had to put a mask on. I think that it's safe to say we have all been there, right? And I, if you want to know something a little bit about me, I hate faking it. What you see is what you get. And faking it is like something I can't stand. Like, why would you want to fake it? But We've all done it, we've all been there. And over the years, I've seen it in my own life. Opportunity, you know, I grew up in the church. There were moments where I felt as a teenager that I had to walk in and pretend that I was squeaky clean and I was living for the Lord. And as a pastor's wife, there's been times where I have had to put a smile on my face When really, I just like want to punch somebody in the face. (laughs) And now, as a leader of a church uh, with my husband, I can tell you that there are moments where I sometimes want to fake it. And I hate faking it. There is a moment uh, last year, uh, and you guys, we all know life is messy, okay? So this story, you're all going to be like, yep, been there, Amber. Amber. Uh, Last Easter, you know, Easter is a big deal at church, okay, right? So we prep and we plan, and it's a fun week here. And that week was a really, really rough week. I had lost my grandpa at the beginning of the week, uh, a month after I lost my grandma. It was a shock. And I was driving back and forth from my parents' house, trying to be with family. And it was like a draining, draining week. But you're like, man, we're just getting ready for Sunday. Like, we're going to be fine. We're going to get through this. And, and it, we were going to be here for Easter Sunday. And then we were going to leave straight from church to head to my grandpa's funeral. And Saturday night, everybody goes to bed. We're so excited. Easter's coming. And you know, like as a parent, when you hear a kid cry in the middle of the night, you're like up out of bed like, oh, no what was that? And my kids are big. So, well, you know, my youngest is eight and I heard her crying and I'm like, oh no, this is not good. So I run in her room and she's like, my stomach hurts. I'm like, you're fine. You're fine. Go back to bed. And in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Easter Sunday tomorrow. No, no, this can't be happening. And It's like midnight at this time. Well, 20 minutes later, she was not fine. And I was up the whole night with a really sick girl. Probably the worst flu she has ever had. It was so awful. And I remember getting up Sunday morning after not sleeping and being like, and now we're going to Easter Sunday. I'm like, I can hardly wait. And they were are gonna have three services and there's gonna be tons of guests and I get to smile and pretend that everything is wonderful. And uh, I did just that. I packed up all the kids, got them in their Easter outfits. Diella is in her PJs with a pillow and a blanket and a bucket. She gets sick many times as we're driving to church on the 10-minute drive. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? I'm going to fake it. That's what I'm going to do. We walk in the doors. We rush her to Greg's office. She sleeps on his couch for three services. Meanwhile, I'm getting texts, I'm not joking, every 20 minutes Mom, I got sick again. Mom, I got sick again. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I just smiled my way through that day. And none of you knew that that was my Easter week. There's a picture of her. Oh my gosh, you guys, it was so awful. It was so awful. And we had to get in the car and drive to my grandpa's funeral the next day. It was a rough week. It was. I was emotionally drained. I was physically tired. And I was a little bit like, God, what the heck are you doing? It's Easter Sunday. I didn't even get my picture with all the kids and their new outfits. Like, this, It was just like a disaster. I like have a little PTSD from Easter Sunday. I'm not going to lie. But we are going to talk about this idea today of faking it. That should make everybody feel a little bit uncomfortable. Because We all have done it at some time or another. And I'm gonna just tell you this, you guys, a little sneak into Amber's life. Ever since I was a little girl, my dad has literally always said to me and other people, Amber is never afraid to say things how they are. So get ready, that is your warning. I'm going to tell you how it is today, but I'm going to tell you the things that the Lord has placed in my heart. And so I hope that you are willing to listen with open minds and with open ears and say like, okay, God, I don't know what you have for me today, but I'm here to listen. And uh, we are going to start, and I, I'm going to challenge you. I'm just going to say that. I'm going to challenge you, but I like a good challenge, don't you? Because with challenge comes change, and change is what makes us stronger. And so we are. if you have your Bibles with you today, we are going to turn to John 4, 7 through 10. And if you would stand with me, we always stand when we read our primary text for no other reason to say, God, we honor your word over anything that I'm about to say, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Let's pray. God, I just pray this morning, I pray that every word that comes out of my lips is of you. And Lord, I pray for whoever needs to hear that it's okay to struggle sometimes, I pray that they will meet you in a new way today. God, I pray for chains to be broken. I pray for breakthrough to happen. And God, we honor you this morning in all that we do and all that we say. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, some of you maybe have heard this story of Jesus and the woman at the well. And I, this is just like a little tiny piece of it. I'm going to just do kind of like a flyover of that story. Jesus is on a journey. He stops at a well to rest. And while he's there, the Samaritan woman comes. And you need to know two things right off the bat. Number one, in that time, in that day, men do not talk to women in public. That is like a big no-no. Number two, Jews and Samaritans do not like each other. And so the fact that Jesus even says something to her is like, wait, are you talking to me? Like, why? She's like, why are you talking to me? And he said, "Um, would you give me a drink? I'm thirsty. And she seems like really confused. Like again, why is this guy talking to me? Number two, you have nothing to get water from. And he says to her, he pivots right then and there. He says, he starts to talk about uh, that that he has a water that people will never go thirsty again. He talks about this living water. Water. It's not just like regular water out of the well. It's living water that will lead to eternal life. And of course, this woman goes from being kind of confused, like what's going on, to like, wait, what? What are you talking about? I could have living water. Like, what does that mean? Like, my sins could be forgiven. Like, what? What does that mean? And I'm sure she had like a million questions for Jesus at that moment. But think about it. How many of us, when we hear the good news of the gospel, we're like, wait. We can have eternal life. All of our sins can be forgiven. All the junk of my past can be made white as snow. Like, why wouldn't that get us excited, right? I don't know about you. I've got a lot of garbage. I am so thankful that Jesus will take it all away. But it's more than that. It's in that moment Jesus gets real with this woman. And he says to her, Bring me your husband. And she, her response is in John 4, 17. She's like, Well, I don't have a husband. While that is true, that's not the whole story. She has had many husbands, and her life is actually very messy. And Jesus responds by saying, like, you're not wrong. You're right. You don't have a husband. But he knows her mess, right? And he goes on because Jesus senses that this woman is excited about the possibility of living water. She's excited about the thought that, man, her sins could be forgiven. But it's that exact moment where Jesus decides to dive into her personal life. Yikes, right? Like to talk about where she's really at. What's really going on in your life? And do you know how she responds when he does that? She tries to ignore it. She's like, oh, no, like, I don't want to go there. Let's just talk about theological things. I'd rather do that. I don't want Jesus digging into my personal life. She didn't wanna talk about it. She for sure didn't wanna go there with Jesus. Like, can you even imagine? I'd be a little nervous too, I'm not gonna lie. And let's be honest, how many times do we do the exact same thing? We think, oh yeah, God, I'm so glad you want to meet me and you want to transform my life and you want to bring restoration to the broken parts of my life. You want to bring bring healing and you want to take up all the yuck in my life, those roots that I've dug that are so deep. You want to heal those. But it's so much easier sometimes to just ignore it all and say, "Mm, actually, I don't know if I want to go there. There's a lot of junk that I'd have to dig up. I'd rather fake it. I'd rather pretend that it's not there and I'd rather just mask right over it. And if we're honest with ourselves though, none of us actually want to live like that. None of us want to actually feel like we have to hide the brokenness, that we have to hide the pain. None of us wanna be fake. It takes a lot of stinking work to be fake. On Easter Sunday last Sunday, or last year it took me a lot of work to pretend that everything was good. (laughs) Being fake is not easy. It's actually a cop-out. It's not easy. And Jesus desires for us to say, you know what, I'm gonna lay it all at your feet. All, I'm gonna give you everything because our souls desire relationships, personal relationships with God and personal and real relationships with other people. We crave things that are genuine and real. We don't like fake, none of us do. It doesn't matter if you're a teenager, if you're a grandma or a grandpa, or a mom or a dad. It doesn't matter. None of us want to have to put masks on. And that's why our second core value here at Zoe Church is that we embrace the struggle. We embrace the struggle. You guys, it's not just a cute little line, we embrace the struggle. I laugh because it's actually hard. And this is something that Greg and I, we so desire for this place. But honestly, more importantly, God desires that. That's his heart, is that this is the place that embraces the struggle. And what does that mean? What does that look like? I'm going to look at two different statements um, as we go this morning, that as a church, these are two things that we do. And number one is we embrace the struggle of life. That's hard. And we have to admit, it's hard because life is hard. It's not easy to embrace the struggle. We all have problems. And if you think you walked in here and you're like, I don't have any problems. Well, you will tomorrow. Like, we all have problems. It is a sure thing, right? It is a sure thing. Jesus promises it in the Bible. And he says, in this world, you will have trouble. It's just, you can bank on it. It's part of life. And it ebbs and flows. We go through good seasons and hard seasons and confusing seasons. But life is hard. It is. And often in the church, the big church as a whole, I don't feel like we create space for that to happen. Where people feel like they can be honest with one another. Where people feel like it's okay to be real and to come in to a place, into a church with all my junk. We pretend a lot of times, we walk indoors like this, and we're like, oh, my marriage is so wonderful, and you pretend, you sit by your spouse, you hold their hand during service, I don't know what you do. I don't hold my husband's hand during service, but anyways, he doesn't sit by me, but even if he did, I, not my thing. But, that is besides the point, sorry. Like I said, I say things how they are anyways. We walk in these places and we pretend. Oh, my marriage is so great. In all reality, you haven't even slept in the same bed for over a year. I don't know what it is for you, but you pretend that everything's wonderful. Perception, you want people to see like life is great. Some of you, you pretend that you're happy. Maybe you're successful. Maybe you have all the money in the world. Maybe you're not successful, but yet you pretend to be happy. And meanwhile, at night, you sit and you drink yourself to sleep. That's not being real. That's not being transparent. Some of you, you like to pretend that you can afford all the things. You want everybody to see you driving your fancy car or on all these fancy vacations or whatever it is. And in all reality, you're just overloaded in debt and you don't know what to do. And this is the thing, one that probably gets me going more than anything else is some people walk in these church doors and you pretend that you are deeply committed to Jesus and you walk out and you live like you don't even know him. You pretend. You live in a whole nother way. You could stand here and worship and fall at your knees and that's all great and that's, yes, surrendering it all to him and then you leave these doors and you act like a completely different person. You don't live for the Lord, you live for the world. Guess what? Until we are willing to acknowledge where we're really at, Jesus can't do the work in our hearts that he wants to. He wants to use you in big and mighty ways, but it means you're gonna have to do some work. It's not gonna be easy. One of the reasons I think that we pretend is because we're trying to hide, obviously, right? Sometimes we're hiding from others, We don't want the people around us. Sometimes we don't even want the people closest in our life to know exactly what's going on. But really, ultimately, you're trying to hide from the Lord. You're trying to keep all your pain and all your secrets from him. Well, the funny thing is, is he knows everything, newsflash. So good luck with that. But the shame of how things really are can lead you into deep, dark places. A lot of baggage comes with shame. And that can lead to places of darkness. And that is a very, very, very dangerous place to be. Because there is a God who takes away shame. And all the other things. And all that he wants is for you to be real. And to lay it at his feet. We know that nobody's life is perfect. You guys, we're all a mess. All of us. And even though we know this, we struggle to live like it. We struggle To live like it because we fake it, and a lot of times the reason we struggle to live like it is because our pride gets in the way. We don't want anyone to see behind the mask. After walking through a really challenging season this year, a different bunch of different things happened. Greg and I decided that we would both step into counseling separately, and like Time Out is kind of a commercial for counseling. If you have not done counseling and you are struggling, You need to see a counselor. A lot of people come to Greg and I and they're like, will you help me with this? Like, yeah, we'll listen to you and we'll encourage you, but we're not counselors. I didn't know if you knew that, but we're not. You need to see somebody who's equipped for it. And actually, I'm not gonna lie, when I started seeing my counselor, I was like, "Mm, we'll see how this goes. And one day I walked in her office and she was like, how are you today, Amber? And I'm like, oh, I'm good. And I don't know why I even decided to go there, but clearly I was dealing with something because I sat down and she's like, how are you really? I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'm always good. I like pride myself in being good. And I pride myself in being transparent so you would know exactly how I am. And she's like, oh. I'm like, oh no. (laughs) She's like, you pride yourself in that, huh? And I'm like, oh, no. Like, I didn't, even, I didn't even realize what I had just said. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes. I pride myself in that. She's like, hmm. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. And you know, she began to say, and she began to look at me after I had met with her for a few weeks. She's like, Amber, you're not good. I mean, I walked in with hives a couple weeks prior to that from stress. Clearly, I was not good. And she's like, you don't need to walk around pretending you're good when you're not good. It's okay to not be good, Amber. I'm like, you're right. And the closest people in your life, they need to know when you're not good. And I just kind of sat there and like soaked it all in for a second because like this is something I thought I was good at, you know? And she said to me, Amber, strong leaders will only survive if they admit when they're not good. And I was like, I want to be that kind of leader. I don't want to be a leader that fails. I want to be a leader that digs into the junk. And it's not fun, but there are times where I'm not good. And I have to be okay to admit that, you know? So even me... Who likes to be real and honest and transparent i struggle with this i struggle with this but jesus is inviting us out of it he's inviting us into something real he's inviting us into something so much more than that he wants this church to be a place where we can be real and authentic i know that he i i do not want to be in a church that feels fake and plastic because like if that's what this becomes i'm out of here because I am a mess and I couldn't fit into that. And that's not what the Lord wants for a place, for a church. He wants this to be a place where people can come in with the good, the bad, and the ugly, but comes with a genuine heart to lay everything before him. That's the kicker, everybody. We can embrace the struggle all we want, but there comes a point that if you aren't willing To surrender everything at him, like he can't change you. He can't restore you. So, embracing the struggle is actually so much more than, like, oh, I'll embrace your pain. Like, are you willing to lay that at his feet or are you gonna just keep carrying it with you wherever you go? We embrace the struggle of life. It's not easy. I wrestle with this, but that's what we do here at Zoe Church. And so if you feel like you need to walk in this place with a mask on, I have prayed and prayed and prayed that this is a day where you feel breakthrough, that you know that you don't have to hide anymore, that you can come and lay everything at God's feet. So we embrace the struggle of life, and we embrace the struggle of faith. And this one is a hard one. All of us have moments in our life All of us. I don't care if you've been a Christian for one day or 100 years. It doesn't matter. We all have moments in our life where our faith doesn't seem as simple as it used to be. Moments where our faith is tested. Moments of uncertainty. And guess what? Guys, that doesn't make you a bad Christian. That makes you a human. We all wrestle. It's okay to acknowledge that you're struggling with believing certain things. It's okay to question and ask questions. That's what this place is for. This should be a place where you can ask questions, where you can wrestle. I personally, I'm gonna be transparent with you this morning, of course. I have really, really struggled with why people aren't healed always on this side of heaven. It's just something I've wrestled with these last few years. Uh, Seven years ago, last week, I lost my cousin to addiction. And that wrecked me, like destroyed me. He was like a brother to me. And man, I was so mad at God. God. I was so mad because I had prayed for 15 years, even when I didn't believe sometimes that there was a God, that he would heal and restore him. Because Ryan, he was dynamite. He was someone everybody loved. He was super successful. He was super smart. And man, I knew that his story could be used for God's glory. And I was so mad that God would rob the world of his story. And there are things, and this is a story that I can go into because there is so much more to it. But man, I wrestled it. I struggled with it for a long, long time. Fast forward to Greg and I coming here to Zoe Church. One of the things that I was so passionate about is that we would have a recovery ministry. And the only reason I am passionate about it is because I have walked through it. I am a family member of someone who has died because of addiction. And I didn't know what that would look like. And I didn't know how that would even happen because I myself hadn't struggled with it. And this past year and a half, God has brought just the right people to start that recovery ministry. Because even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when we don't understand it, he's working. He is always working things out for his good. It's not always the way I wanna see it. It's not always the way I think it should be done. But it's his way, and that's actually what matters most. And that has been a reminder to me, that recovery ministry, I was telling Kristen, and she is one of them who has started this program, you were an answer to my prayers. You were a bridge to my healing, because I know that I know that God can use my story to help somebody else. But man, it doesn't mean we don't question it doesn't mean that there aren't times where I think, God, I don't get you. This past year, I've probably questioned God more than, more, than many, more than any other year. I've questioned why he hasn't healed people that I prayed for. See, here's the thing. It's not that I, I don't believe God can heal people. It's that I don't believe that he will. And I struggle with it. And I'm going to just tell you right now, if you want to run up to me after service and tell me all the things that the Bible says, I know them, okay? This is my wrestle. You don't need to do that. I just set you free. You don't need to talk to me after service about it. It's like this isn't my first rodeo, right? Because, ha- yeah, anyways, I'm not, I'm not going to go there, Greg. Don't worry. Greg's like, yeah, okay, stop. But anyways, I, I know all the things, Okay, I know all the things, but I wrestle with it. And you want to know what happens when you wrestle? God meets you in that place. He loves you. He embraces you. He gives you hope. He gives you peace. He gives you comfort. There are ways that God had met me this year that I never would have experienced if I wasn't hurting, if I wasn't wrestling. He meets you where you're at. It's okay to wrestle. It's okay to ask the hard questions. And teenagers, since I got you in the room right now, wrestle now. It's a safe place to wrestle. Ask your leaders the hard questions. Ask your parents the hard questions. Ask your pastors the hard questions. Wrestle now, because there is going to be a point in your life, if you don't wrestle now, you will walk away from the Lord. We have seen it happen so many times wrestle now. It doesn't make you less spiritual to ask hard questions, because guess what? We serve a big God, and he can handle it. And he looks at us and says, you're right, faith isn't easy. It's hard. It's a give and a take. It's a wrestling, and it's okay to wrestle. I love this about the name Israel. I don't know if you guys know where the name Israel came from. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But Jacob literally wrestled with an angel of God all night long. All night. And the Lord gave him a new name that next day. And you know what it was? Israel. And soon after that, generations of people, God God gave that name to generations of people. Do you know what the name Israel means? Wrestles with God. You guys... I think that's a picture of what faith looks like. It's not like some KTIS power verse. Like, I hate to tell you, I don't even listen to KTIS. But if you do, it's not about that. It's not a bumper sticker or a hat you wear. Like, good for you, you wanna wear all the Christian things, that's awesome. But that's not what faith is. It is so much more than that. And Jesus coming to this earth proved that more than anything else. It proved that he was willing to enter our mess and enter our struggles. Isn't that crazy? Whether it's the struggle of life or whether it's the struggle of faith. He came to enter it all. He's ready to walk with us. You just have to let him. Greg talked about this last week. And it is so easy to become so self-focused. Oh, like, poor me. Like, Amber, you just, you don't even know. You're right, I don't know all your stories. And you can sit there and be like, but you don't know the pain that I have, or you don't know the addiction that I have, or you don't know the way my marriage is. You just don't know. I can't forgive people because they've really hurt me. Maybe you're online and you're watching and you don't even come into a church because you've been hurt by people in the church, and you're not willing for the Lord to heal you of that here's the deal, newsflash, the church is messy. Greg and I, we're messy, we're normal people, we're gonna mess up, we're gonna hurt you, we're gonna disappoint you. But you have got to be willing to lay all of it down at his feet and say, God, that I give you all of it, all of it. The goal in us saying embrace the struggle isn't so we can coddle our struggles. And hold them and be like, you know, Amber, I act like this because mm, I got struggles. I got pain. I got trauma. And I am not minimizing that. I have pain. I have trauma. I have scars. But man, embracing the struggle isn't so we can coddle them and coddle our pain. Instead, the purpose of embracing the struggle is to acknowledge the struggles so we can actually deal with them. And we can find healing and restoration And that way, we can actually use those struggles and those pains to encourage other people. That's what Jesus desires for us. That's the change he wants. And at the end of the day, the question becomes, what does Jesus want to do through my struggles? How does he want to use me through my struggles? And I love this verse in 2 Corinthians. It says this, 2 Corinthians 4.7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Guys, we're kind of like jars of clay. I'm not going to lie. This pot was made by Abby. I love her, and she's amazing, and then she broke it for me. So just so you know, I didn't buy a broken pot, okay? But we are like jars of clay. We are broken and chipped and full of scars and pain And actually, sometimes I think we like to walk around so everybody can see the good part of us, when really your whole story is all of this, all of the chips, all of the pain, all of the brokenness. It's the addiction. It's the abuse. It's the pain from people. It's the broken marriages. It's it's all of it. God wants He knows that we are jars of clay. He knows that we are broken. He knows that we are cracked. And you know what he's done? He's put his word in us. So his light could shine through us and in us and through our broken cracks and through our pain. He wants to use our stories to bring glory and honor to him. Are you willing to let him? Or are you going to coddle him? Are you going to say, God, I'm going to lay it all at your feet? Because when you decide to use all the chips and all the brokenness and all the pain in your story, you know what happens to those around you who don't know him? His light begins to shine through you. And then people who don't know the Lord, it's not just a fairy tale anymore. It's like real life. The good news of the gospel becomes real and transparent to them because you are willing to take off the mask and say, hey, I am a normal person. I've walked through the same things you did, and he's met me, and his light shines through me. Your brokenness, your cracks, your pain actually don't matter to him. Yes, he wants to love you and embrace you, but he wants to use you. Are you going to let him use you, or are you going to stay stuck in that? And that's going to lead us to our big so what today. Guess what, guys? God uses broken people like me, like you, to reach broken people. That's what he does. Thank goodness. Because I am broken. And at the end, the, at the whole end of the coolest part of embracing the struggle is when we do this, when we allow ourselves to minister to others that are hurting and struggling, and it, that guess what happens? They begin to see like, man, the church isn't so perfect. I thought that like, I couldn't go be a part of something like that because it, everybody had masks on and you had to be so perfect and cleaned up. And there's no way people can relate to that. So why would they wanna be a part of that? When you begin to let his light shine through your brokenness, people say, oh, I can relate to that, I'm broken. I could be a part of that. I wanna know more about that. I wanna know about that living water. I wanna know how I can be white as snow. You can radiate the peace in the midst of pain. You can radiate the joy in the midst of sorrow. And it's hard and it takes work. And I am on a journey just like you. But that's when the gospel becomes alive to people, is when it radiates through your pain and through your brokenness. The only reason I ever share my story, it's not because it's fun. It's not fun to bring up all my garbage. The only reason I do is because I know what God has done in my life and I know it's possible for others. I know the freedom that I've experienced and I want that to be a freedom that others experience. That is the only reason I ever show my, share my story because guess what? God uses broken people to reach broken people. And so I will continue to share my story if it could reach just one person to know him. And there's one more thing that I just wanna talk about is when we stop pretending that we have it all together, cause like, let's just stop. We don't need to pretend. When we actually stop pretending and we realize how desperate we are for God's grace, that then gives us the ability to share that grace with the people around us, the people that probably frustrate us the most. But we have to be willing to see that. A couple weeks ago in December, it was like the negative 50 degree week. Does anybody remember that? It was awful. And I did something very vain, okay? Again, I don't need your judging. I know it's wrong and I won't, I never do it and I'm gonna tell you anyways, okay? I was leaving the gym and I really wanted to go tanning. And I know it's so bad for you, but I like really wanted to go tanning. And I'm like, I'm just gonna go one time. I'm like prep talking myself all the way there. It's so weird, I know. And I pull up to the tanning salon and I'm like, oh, no, nope, not going in. Why would I do that? That's This is so stupid. And I went in. And <laughs> you guys thought like there was not a wrestling match. I was like, oh, actually I'm going in. So I go in and the lady behind the desk like won't even look at me when I walk in. She has a complete attitude from the minute that I walk in. You know, one of those that you're like, you literally hate your job. It's a very obvious. But I love people like that because I love to kill them with kindness in those moments. So I'm like asking her like stupid questions. Like, and she's like, yeah, mm-hmm, no, yeah. Like she wants nothing to do with me. I'm probably like her worst customer because she's like, why? And I stopped and I looked at her and I said, are you having a bad day? And she looks up at me and she said, you are the first person that has asked me that today. And I'm like, well, it's pretty obvious to me, that's what I was thinking, that you're having a bad day. But I'm like, I can see that you're having a bad day and I just want you to know I see you. And she said, I haven't told anybody what I'm gonna tell you right now. And I'm like, okay, like, oh no, like I'm in this place alone. So my brain, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, what is she going to tell me? There's nobody else in here. I didn't even want to go to, I did. I shouldn't have even came in here. But anyway, besides the point. She looks up at me and she said, my son attempted suicide two days ago. And I can't visit him today in the hospital because I have to work. And at this point she's bawling. And I said, ma'am, can I hug you? She walked around the counter, and I held her as she wept. And she, I said, all I could say to her was like, I see you, I'm sorry, God's with you. And she, we, like, she leaves my hug, and she goes back around the counter. She's still crying. And I just said, you know, I just want you to know that, like, God sees you in your pain. My husband and I, we go to a church. I didn't tell her what we do, because, you know, that's weird. Laughter I said, my husband and I, we go to a church, and I'm going to make sure our staff is praying for you. And I looked at her, and I said, how old is your son? And she said, he's 13. I have a 13-year-old. You guys that wrecked me. Because this woman does not know Jesus And I don't know how she is walking through what she's walking through. But I am so thankful that God gave me the eyes to see her in that moment. When we are willing to embrace the struggle, when we allow God to meet us in the real places of our lives, and when we are willing to meet other people in the real places of their lives, that's when Jesus does his most powerful work. That's when he does his most. That is where healing is found. That is where lies are transformed. That is when hope begins. And this morning as I have prepared this week, I don't know why it was so hard for me to prepare for this week. I actually text Greg like this is going to be a disaster. I don't know wh- I don't know why. I have prayed for a breakthrough to happen in this place. I believe that God wants to do something special in Zoe Church. Not to give us a name but for lost people to find hope. But it has to start with us. It has to start with Greg and I. It has to start with our staff. It has to trickle through. Are we willing to lay our struggles down or are we gonna keep faking it? Because I'm really, really sick of church people faking it. If you have got something in your life that you are struggling with, bring it to the feet of Jesus. If you are hiding something in the dark places, bring it to the feet of Jesus. Teenagers, you love to hide, bring it to the feet of Jesus. Because at the end of our days, the only thing that matters is your personal relationship with him. And you can keep pretending that it doesn't and you can live your life. Oh, I've got one life to live. You are not guaranteed t- tomorrow. So what is it that you're hiding? Because God already knows. He just wants you to lay it at his feet. And some of you have walked in this room and the closest people to you have no idea the pain that you are fighting through. No idea that your marriage is falling apart. No idea that you are in deep, deep depression. No idea that you are struggling with alcohol. No idea that your marriage is in ruins. No idea that you are wrestling with the call that God has in your life. There are people in your life that doesn't know, that don't know. And you need to tell them for one reason and one reason only, because they want, need to fight with you. They need to pray for you. They need to surround you. They need to uplift you because sometimes we are too weak to hold up our own arms and we need people to help us through it. I have prayed that a breakthrough would happen. And the thing that I keep wrestling with and the different things that like, okay, God, how do you want us to respond to this? And what does that look like? I really feel like the Lord has put three things on my heart. Some of you have stayed distant in your faith because you're wrestling things and you think it's easier to just stay away. You're wrestling things. Maybe it's hurt that has happened in the church. Maybe it's traumatic things that have happened in your life, but you're wrestling and you think that staying away from the Lord is better. It's actually harder and he wants to meet with you. Some of you are in this room and you're like, man, my life is a mess, Amber, you have no idea. If I have to start acknowledging that mess, I could lose friends, I could lose my job, I could, all this stuff could happen. He wants to meet you in your mess. You're exhausted because you've been trying to hide it. When God says, man, bring it to my feet, I will give you rest, I will give you strength. I will give you all the things that you need, but you're gonna to have to lay it at his feet. And here's the thing, I don't know what it is you're hiding. Maybe you're hiding the things that I've mentioned, depression, addiction, eating disorders. I don't know what it is you're hiding. I think sometimes we think, well, that's for the young, or that's for the young in their faith. Yes, yeah, it's for everybody. What are you hiding? Bring it to light so he can heal you, so he can restore you. Because guess what? He wants to use his light to shine through all of your cracks to reach other people for him. Because you guys, we live in a world that is dying, that has no hope, that has no peace. And people are looking for that. Be that light to them. And some of you, this one could meddle with some people. You're not embracing other people's struggles, and actually you're judging them. That's dangerous, because you're looking at them, and you're pointing out all their flaws. Maybe you're looking at me, and you're pointing out all my flaws. Guess what? That's on you. Ask the Lord to transform your heart so you could see people in their hurting so you could love and embrace those that are struggling. I, My heart and my passion and Greg's heart is that this would be a church where we are not here to judge one another, but we are here to love and embrace and help one another on this journey of faith. This world is hard enough. We do not need to be judging one another. We can love one another and help walk through it. And so as we close today, the worship team is gonna be coming up. And I just really have felt that We need to have a time of reflection because we're gonna embrace the struggle here at Zoe Church and that's hard and it's messy and I've wrestled with it. I've probably wrestled with it more this week than every other week. I'd rather just talk about embracing the struggle than have to live it out sometimes. And I want this to be a time where uh, we're gonna worship and close and if this is something that you're struggling with, Or maybe you feel like you need to come to the altars or raise your hand or someone needs to pray with you. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to pray and then we're going to close in worship. God, I just speak Jesus over this place. God, we want to receive whatever you have for us today. And I pray that there will be a breakthrough. God, I pray that lives will be transformed and we will use our stories for your glory and your glory alone. God, meet us here.